Welcome to Victory with Paul Doherty, pastor of Victory in Tulsa, Oklahoma. If you're in the area, we'd love to meet you at any of our services, Saturday night at 5 p.m. and Sundays at 8.30, 9, and 11 a.m. If you can't visit us, you can watch live on the Victory app, downloadable on the App Store and Google Play. Pastor Paul has a great message for you today, and I believe this message is going to make an impact in your life. Give someone a high five or a hug. Say things are about to get better. Come on. Well, we are closing the year, and I have a message for you. Are you ready for a word from God? David said in Psalm 103, verse two, if you have a Bible, you could turn there. Yes, you could shout if you want. So David said in Psalm 103, verse two, praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. David goes on to list all the benefits of God. He says that God's been merciful. He's slow to anger. He's abounding in compassion and love. God has done miraculous wonders. And David was telling himself, don't forget what he's done because it's so easy to remember what we should be forgetting and forgetting what we should be remembering. It's so easy to only remember the negative circumstances of your past year, to only reflect on what didn't go right, to kind of walk into a new season, a new year, and still just be thinking, man, the past wasn't that great. I hope the future's better. But David was saying, hold on, I know there was some bad things in my past, but God has been faithful in my past as well. Well, I remember when I was in high school, I played basketball and it was my favorite sport. My sophomore year, I was on the varsity team and Coach Mercier, a legendary coach here uh, at Victory Christian School. And he put me on the team, but I had to share a jersey with another player on the team because I wasn't good enough to have my own jersey. <laughs> and so this was a humiliating season in my life. Every other game, I got to suit up. So the games that it wasn't my turn to suit up, I would sit on the bench in regular clothes. And so the other guy was Daniel Henshaw, who now serves here in the church. So Daniel and I would rotate wearing the jersey. And uh, I remember this one game, we were playing our rival team, a rival school in town. And it was getting towards the end of the game and they just went on a hot streak. They started making all their buckets. I mean, they were hitting threes, they were driving through the lane and juking our players and making all of their shots, hitting their free throws. And our team was just missing. I mean, we were having turnover after turnover. We would pass the ball, they would steal it. We would drive through the lane and miss a basket we should have made. It was a rough moment towards the end of the game. And then the other side, the fans, that was the worst part. They were taunting us in that moment. They were shouting, you can't stop us. You can't stop us. And I'm just sitting there on the bench without my jersey, getting upset. I'm like, what? We can stop them, you know? And, and they're chanting, and then our guy drives down the court, shoots a three, doesn't even hit the rim or the backboard. They start chanting, air ball, air ball, air. And there was this one dude with just a weird face just looking at me, and I was like, I don't like that guy's face. And I was in high school, give me a break. Don't look at me like you've never thought that before in high school, okay? So I'm getting upset, this guy's taunting me, and he's like, air ball, and he's you know, in the fans, and, and, uh, and then all of a sudden, they start chanting something that made me really upset, because that year our team had been doing really well. We had been doing really well, but for some reason in this moment, we were not doing good. They start chanting, overrated. 
overrated. And I was like, what? And someone on our fans, someone in the middle of our stands looked up and it was like, no one else was doing this, but someone looked up and was like, hold up, we're winning. And we're not talking about that at all. <laughs> we're actually winning. We're ahead of them in the game right now. Someone looked up at the scoreboard. And so someone started quietly saying, scoreboard, score. And we all looked around, we looked up, we're like, oh yeah. We had a bad streak, but we're still ahead of them in the game. So we're all like looking at the fans. We're like, scoreboard, scoreboard, scoreboard. And they're, you know, chanting, you can't stop us. And we're like, scoreboard, scoreboard. We already stopped you, scoreboard. You know, we're getting into it. And my dad is rolling his eyes. He's the pastor. He's like, I can't believe we're so competitive. And I was like, come on, dad. You know you were competitive too. When you play football in high school, give us a break. And, you know, so we're chanting back and forth. We get to the end of the game. Our players got got a boost of energy. When they saw the scoreboard, they had forgotten that they were ahead. And when they saw they were ahead, all of a sudden they had some confidence and they finished the game strong. All of a sudden we went on a hot streak. We started scoring more buckets. Not only did we beat them, we beat them bad. And in the last second of the game, our stands start chanting, na, 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 hey, hey, hey. Come on, help me out. Yes. And so as I'm coming to the end of this year, the devil's been trying to mess with me a little bit. And I don't know if he's been trying to mess with you, but it's almost like he's just been kind of like taunting me at the end of this year. For some reason, these last few weeks, I've been sitting in meetings and we've, been, we've had board meetings looking at the end of the year and praise God, our church, we've paid all our bills. Thank you, Jesus. We're debt free. What a miracle. Praise God. It's all God. And yet in the middle of that, it's almost like the enemies tried to get me to think about where I could have done better. All of my shouldas, couldas, wouldas. I wish I would have done that this year. I'm disappointed we didn't accomplish that. I wish I could have been with my kids more this year. I wish I would have done a better job as a pastor. And all of a sudden I'm going down this lane of regrets. I'm, just, I'm driving down this road of just feeling discouraged. And this is just a few weeks ago. I mean, I'm talking like in the last 15 days, I'm, I'm just feeling discouraged and I'm starting to question if I'm even called and gifted at, at preaching and pastoring and I'm comparing myself to people. And I'm like, wait a minute, I thought I've beat these battles. I thought, I, I thought I've overcome these feelings and they're all coming back. And you know what? In the middle of that discouraging attack on my thoughts and on my heart, all of a sudden, God, it was like he was whispering to my heart, scoreboard, scoreboard, Paul, Forget not all the things that I've done for you. Scoreboard. And I was like, hold up, devil. You shut your mouth. Scoreboard. 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 And you know the devil, he's trying to whisper, overrated. Overrated. And this is what the devil does. He's like, you're overrated. You're, you think you're valuable. You think you're a child of God. You think you've done some great things. You're overrated. And that's honestly what he was trying to whisper. But I just kept shouting back at the devil, scoreboard, scoreboard. God is winning. You've lost. You're losing. You're going to lose. I'm winning because I'm still breathing. I'm still following Jesus. I'm still in church. You tried to take my faith out this year. You tried to take my family out this year. But I'm still here scoreboard somebody shout scoreboard in this place it's so important and I'm going to preach the message right now called scoreboard everybody say scoreboard 
So important that we pay attention to the scoreboard. Because if you don't, you'll finish a year with regret, with a sense of shame, with a woulda, coulda, shoulda attitude. You'll go into the next year going, just, ah, I just can't wait for a new year. I'm just ready to be done with this year. I'm so done with this year. I'm done with 2017. But listen, you need to finish 2017 with a sense of, of praise, with a sense of thanksgiving, with a shout that you came through this year, that God showed up this year. The Israelites, they forgot what God did and it left them wandering in the wilderness. They forgot the miracles. They forgot to look at the scoreboard. And so the enemy just wreaked havoc with a sense of regret, with a sense of shame, with a sense of, 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 of discouragement, inadequacy, insecurity. We're just grasshoppers in the sight of, of the giants in the promised land. We're not gonna make it. It says in Psalm 78 verse 11, that when the Israelites forgot what God had done, when they forgot to look at the scoreboard, and look at all the miracles that God had shown them. And remember all the great moments where God delivered them out of the land of Egypt. When that forgetfulness happened, they began to wander in the wilderness. You see, we are walking into a new year, but it will not be a new year if you carry the same cruddy attitude into it. It's just another day. The only way you're going to make the most of the new year is if there's a change inside of you. The greatest change that can happen is the change inside of you. You can change your weight. You can change your state. You can change the color of your hair. But if you don't change you, you take you with you everywhere you go. And if you don't change your perspective, your outlook on life, the way that you look back on a year, the way that you look forward into a new year, you're going to carry that complaining, negative attitude with you. And so this message is about changing the way we look at a year. How do we tally the score? How do I know if I won this year? How do I look at the scoreboard and know that I'm winning and that I have won this year? I want to help you to categorize if you've won this year. How many of y'all want to win next year? How many of y'all want to have a great, successful 2018? The way to win next year is to make sure you're tallying the score right for the current year that you've just had. So God gave me three categories on how to tally the score this year, how to uh, know what my points are on the scoreboard. And there, here's the three categories. What did God do for you? What did God do through you? And what did God do in you? Very simple. What did God do for you? The provision, the blessings. The unexpected things that came your way, opportunities. What did God do through you? Who did he use uh, you to help, to mentor, to encourage that through you, he was able to go into a nursing home and hospitals and, 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 and to give generously to some people that were in need through you. He did some things and then in you. And that's gonna be the powerful part. But I wanna break this down for you. Why is it important for us to reflect on this? Go to Joshua chapter four with me. Joshua chapter four. And you could shout again if you want to. Come on, it's the end of the year. Joshua chapter four. God was telling Joshua, Joshua, I'm taking you somewhere new. I've got a new season in front of you. I've got a new chapter. It's time to turn the page. But before we turn the page, before we finish this chapter, I wanna finish it strong. So God was looking at Joshua, he was talking to Joshua. There was this conversation between God and Joshua. Joshua was the guy who took over after Moses had died. So he was a transition leader. He was the next guy in charge and he was leading the people into a promised land. They had come out of Egypt, out of slavery, out of bondage. They had wandered through the wilderness and now they're getting ready to take possession of the promised land. And God says, before you move forward into this new season, into this new year, into this new chapter, he said this, 
When the whole nation had crossed over the Jordan River, God spoke to Joshua, choose 12 men among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests are standing and carry them over with you and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. So Joshua called together the 12 men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe. Everybody say, pick 12. And he said, go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you take up a stone on your shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites. So 12 stones. These 12 stones will serve as a sign among you. And in the future, when your children ask you, what do these 12 stones mean? You will tell them that God showed up, that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the presence of God. When the Ark of the Covenant crossed into the waters, the waters parted so that more than one million Israelites could walk across on dry ground. It was a massive river. We're not talking like the Arkansas River here in Tulsa. We're talking like, the, we're talking like an intense, deep, rapid flowing river. He said, when the children ask you, what do these 12 stones mean? You tell them God parted the waters and that God showed up. So they carried the stones over with them to the other side and they placed them down just as Joshua had commanded them. See, it's important for us to take some remembrance stones, some memorial stones to reflect on what God has done in our lives this past year, not just for our sake, but for our children's sake, for our children's children. The only way that people will know that a God is still powerful is if the parents and the grandparents continue to pass on the stories and the miracles of how God showed up. Some of y'all are here today only by the grace of God. You should have died this year, but by the grace of God, you're still breathing. So let's talk about this first category. Listen, let's break it down like this. If this was basketball, what God did for you, that's a field goal. That's two points right there. What God did through you, that's a three-pointer. Man, you just hit a three-point bucket right there. What God does in you, that's like a three-pointer. You get fouled and you hit the free throw. That's a four-point play. Or it's a slam dunk and you get fouled and one. So we're gonna talk about how to tally the score. What did God do for you? You Just write that down on your notes. What did God do for you? And underneath that, I want you to reflect for a moment. Did anybody get blessed this year financially? Five people? All right. <laughs> did anybody get some good opportunities this year? All right. A couple of golf claps in the room. Yes, Pastor. I'm still breathing, my ears still work. I did it myself. No, you didn't. Stop acting like you saved yourself this year. Stop acting like you don't have a God that delivered you out of some crazy crud this year. Come on, we can do better than a golf clap. This is a basketball message. Scoreboard, scoreboard. You need to tell the devil today that God showed up in your life this year. You might be saying, but, 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 Paul, come on, man. We're just gonna ignore reality. Don't you realize, Paul, I had a rough year. I lost some friends this year. I went through some tragedies this year. I know, I know, I know. And I'm not trying to demean what you walked through that was painful. This is not one of those messages where we just ignore all the bad things and we try to focus on the positive. 
This is a sandwich method message. So let's start off with some worship and some praise. Then we're going to get into the tough stuff. Then we're going to finish it off with some praise and some worship. But what if the first thing we went to was not the negative memories? What if the first thing we started off with was what God has done for us? I'm going to get to the other stuff later in the message. But right now, can we just take a praise break for 10 seconds to thank God for the provision, for the miracles, for the blessings, for the the increase, for the opportunities, for the friendships, for your church, for your country, for what God has done in your life. Thank you, Jesus. We worship you, God. Praise the Lord. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. Thank you, Jesus. See, we remember so that we don't forget. I know that sounds so simple. We remember so that we don't forget because if we forget, we don't carry the confidence we need into the challenges of tomorrow. Yesterday's victories are for tomorrow's challenges. We look back so that we can take with us some memories, some lessons where we go, God showed up. I didn't know he was gonna do it, but he did it. I I thought it was gonna turn out bad and yet somehow God works all things together for good. God gave me a job this year. How many of y'all got a job this year? Anybody get a job this year? How many of y'all got a bonus at your job this year? Anybody get a bonus, a promotion? Any promotions this year? Come on, we got some promoted people in the house. Some of y'all are shaking your head. I didn't get promoted. (laughs) Man, if you'll celebrate the people around you, God will bring your blessing in due time. I'm telling you, your harvest is coming. Don't get bitter. Don't get jealous. Don't be envious. Don't compare your your journey to someone else's journey. You don't know what they've walked through. Don't judge their promotion. You don't know what they've pushed through. You haven't walked a day in their shoes. Don't, Don't get upset. God's got your blessing on the way. But in the meantime, thank God for what he's done. Here's an example. Christmas morning, my two, our two boys, Liam and Benaiah, they were so excited. They opened up all their presents, Jake the Pirate, Paw Patrol, you know, all the cool little kids, games and toys, a little Buzz Lightyear, and they were so excited, man. And, um, and the next day, Liam comes running into the room at about 6 a.m., tapping me, he goes, I'm ready to open more presents. He goes, got any more presents? <laughs> he does this with his fingers. I'm like... That was yesterday. He goes, got some more presents? I go, wait, like Christmas is not a daily thing. He's like, Christmas again, you know? I was like, no, no, no. Just use what we already got you, you know? Be thankful for the gifts we gave you. And he's like, more presents? I'm like, son, be thankful for what you, you know, I'm getting a little frustrated, but I just wonder sometimes if we come to God and we're like, can you give me some more? I want some more gifts. I want some more blessings. I need a promotion. And I wonder if our Father in heaven is going, Can you be thankful for what I've already given you? When's the last time you lifted your hands and just said thank you? When's the last time you gave me more than a golf clap? When's the last time you you just looked at the scoreboard and recognized I've already blessed you with forgiveness, with salvation, with life, the blessings of the Lord. Forget not all his benefits. Let's not rush into the new year asking for more without thanking God for what he's already given us. I love that God told Joshua, go to the middle of the river and pull out stones. It's interesting that God didn't tell Joshua, go to the other side where you're crossing into and take the stones of where you're headed. 
God said, I want you to go back a little bit. I want you to take the stones from the middle of the miracle. I want you to reflect on what I did, the place that was supposed to drown you, the month that was supposed to destroy you, the year that was gonna take you out. And, and I want you to pick up stones. What was supposed to be rock bottom became a stepping stone towards your destiny. I want you to take those rocks and I want you to set them up 12 rocks, 12 stones. I want you to name those stones. I want you to talk about what I did for you. I know you're excited about the future and I'm doing a new thing, but I also want you to just reflect on what I've done in the past to build confidence for where I'm taking you in the future. What's the second category? What did God do through you? So we talked about what God did for you and I'm sure you guys got a lot of points from that. If you just think about it, in fact, tonight, take some time to journal it, write down what did God do for us this year. Go month by month, January, February, March, April, May, go all through the months and just think about it. Now let's talk about what God did through you. What did God do through you? Philippians 2.13 says that God is always working in us to do his will, to fulfill his purpose. So it's God through us that accomplishes all the great things that happened this year. How many of y'all accomplished some things this year? Anybody succeed this year in school, in, in your job, maybe in some relationships? Maybe this year you were able to help some people. Did anybody help anyone this year? Encourage somebody, uh, uh, be able to mentor somebody. That was God through you. In the Old Testament, every character that God used to do great things, they would carry a rod, a staff with them. And this rod, this staff was like a journal. They actually would etch on the staff the miracles and the great successes that they had seen in their past where God showed up and worked through them. So when Moses lifted up his rod for the Red Sea to part, he was looking at his staff and he was reflecting on what God had done in the past that God delivered them from the hands of Pharaoh, that God showed up with the blood on the doorpost, that God rescued over a million Jews out of the hands of the Egyptians. And so when he lifted up what God had done through him in the past, he had confidence of what God would do through him in the future. Think about David when he went to go fight Goliath. 1 Samuel 17 says that he took with him five stones, a sling, and his staff. Most times we forget the staff. We just think five stones in the sling. So we have a sermon of five ways to take out Goliath. And it only took one stone, by the way. But the Bible says he brought his staff with him as he ran towards the giant. And I just wonder if the staff was just that reminder of confidence, of encouragement. Sometimes you have to encourage yourself when no one else encourages you. And then he picked up that staff as he's looking at Goliath, and on that staff, he's etched in some stories. Through God, I was able to take out the lion. Through God, I was able to take out the bear. And through God, I'm gonna take out this giant. See, you need to look back on what God has done through you so that you can have confidence to look forward for what God's about to do through you in the days ahead. What has God done through you? Some of us, we're just playing all the bad memories of the past. It's almost like we're sitting in our room and we've got our bag of potato chips and a 
bucket of popcorn and we're just watching all the, the movie of all our bad memories and how things didn't work out and she left me and I lost my dog and I lost my house and I lost everything and we're just playing it. You know there's another movie going on. You can change the channel. You, can, you don't have to stay on that channel just rehearsing all your mistakes, all your failures, all your shortcomings, all the times people betrayed you. You can change the channel and start reflecting on the fact that you're still breathing, that God did some good things in your life too, that God used you, that God moved through you in some ways in your past. Everybody say, change the channel. Change the channel. The devil's trying to taunt you, just like he was trying to taunt me just a few weeks ago. And you've got to look back and go, scoreboard, scoreboard. This year, God moved through me. How many of y'all this past year, God used you to help someone in need? Maybe you gave a little bit. Maybe you helped someone on the side of the road. Maybe you went to a nursing home. Maybe you came on one of our Walk It Out outreaches. Maybe you went on a missions trip. Maybe at your workplace or your school, you invited someone to church and they came. You did something for someone else, not to be repaid, but just because you wanted to walk in compassion and generosity. God moved through you. That's a three-point play right there. Scoreboard, you're doing better than you realize. Don't let the devil beat you up. Things are better than you think they are. You're doing better than you think you're doing. But I've got a warning for you when you look back. I've got a warning, and God told me to insert this. There's two ways to look back. You can look back for the sense of encouragement for the future, or you can look back and get stuck in the past. You can look back and instead of just making it at a glance, it turns into a trance, and you just get stuck Oh, man. You got to be careful when you look back. Memory is a powerful thing. It can change your whole attitude. It can change everything in your life. It changes the way you treat people. Be careful how you look back. Jesus said in Luke 17, verse 29, in the days of Lot, when Sodom and Gomorrah was about to be burned up, it was a time to get out, to move forward. And it says in verse 30 that this is what it's going to be like when Jesus comes back. And by the way, church, Jesus is coming back soon. He's coming back soon. He is. I can just sense it. You better get ready, my friends. Don't play games with God this next year. Don't wait to change until it's a new year. Start today. And it says that Jesus looked at his disciples and he said, on that day, it is not a time to go back to get anything from your past. It's not a time to go back and try to grab the attachments of what you miss. And then he says in verse 32, remember Lot's wife. And when I read that this past week, it jumped off the pages at me. And it was like God was saying, remember, remember Lot's wife. That's the only character of the Old Testament that Jesus says to remember. He doesn't say to remember Abraham. He doesn't say to remember Jacob. He doesn't say to remember David. He doesn't say to remember Moses. He doesn't say to remember Adam. He doesn't say to remember Joseph. The only character he says to remember is Lot's wife. We don't even know her name. You know how wild that is for Jesus to say, remember someone? We don't even know her name. We just know she was Lot's wife. She literally is only in two scriptures in the entire Bible. She appears in Genesis 19, verse 12, and she disappears in Genesis 19, verse 26. Right? It's, it's wild. 
It says it's time to get out. The angels told Lot, it's time to get out. This is, your, your past is done. You're done here. You're moving forward. Don't stay here another second. It's time to move forward. Get out and get out now. Move forward. And it says in verse 16 that Lot hesitated. Oh, but I, I like my past. You can't embrace your destiny if you're holding on to your history. You've got to let go of last year so you can take hold of this next year. You can learn from the past, but don't you dare live in the past. The past is an education. It is not a destination. Stop talking about the past like it's a destination. You are not called to go back to your past. I don't even care if it's a good thing from your past. God has greater things in your future. Don't camp out in the miracles of the 80s. Some of us are like Uncle Rico on Napoleon Dynamite. If you've never seen the movie, there's this moment in Napoleon Dynamite, funny movie. There's this guy named Uncle Rico, and he's sitting down next to Kemp. And he goes, I bet I could throw a pig skin a quarter of a mile. And Kemp is like, cool. And Uncle Rico, you know, he's, he's like in his 50s. He's just like, if only the coach would have put me in in the fourth quarter, we would have won the state championship. He grabs a piece of steak, throws it, knocks Napoleon off of his bicycle. And he goes, man. He goes, Kemp, you know anything about time travel? You got a time machine? I'd like to go back to the past. Guys, we can't be like Uncle Rico. And the church can't be like Uncle Rico. I know God did some cool things in the 80s at Victory. And he did some cool things in the 90s. But what he has in front of us is greater than anything that's behind us. Quit talking about the past like it's a destination. It is an education. It is a stepping stone towards where we're going. We're moving forward. We look back so we can gain confidence, not so we can camp out in what's happened back there. All I do, I look back, I go, praise God that God showed up in mom and dad's life, but I'm not gonna build a museum and hang out in a museum the rest of my life. I've got forward movement for what God's called me to do, what God's called you to do, what God's called us to do, as a church be careful how you look back don't get stuck in the past this last week my wife and I got stuck in the mud we were driving the car and I accidentally drove right into a mud patch it was the only mud patch that was literally in miles and and for some reason I got blessed and I just drove right into the mud patch I put it in reverse couldn't get out put it in forward couldn't get out sat there for an hour my wife was loving it <laughs> We were practicing love and patience. And uh, her dad, thank God, he had, a, he had a hook. He pulled us out of the mud. But some of us, it's almost like we've gotten stuck just looking back. It's, a, it's become a trance instead of a glance. So when we look back, we look back to gain confidence for where we're headed, not to look back and camp out there. I know you had some tough times last year, but move forward. Don't keep crying over the past. It's over. It's history. Tomorrow is a mystery. Today is a gift. That's why we call it the present. We've got to move forward. And as we look back on what God did through us, as a church, our accounting department every year sends to all of the givers a receipt of what they gave at the end of the year. How many of y'all gave this year at least a penny? At least a penny. If you didn't raise your hand for that, go ahead, just pull a penny out and give it to somebody next to you. You say, but Paul, why is giving important? Because what you do for others outlives your life. And it's a way that you can hit some three-pointers on the devil. 
It's a way that you can go, hey, devil, I'm not gonna be self-absorbed and only spend money on me. I'm gonna do for others what I wish I could do for everyone. I'm gonna do for one. I'm gonna help someone in need. For those of you that gave this year, I just wanna say thank you. You helped move forward the kingdom of God this year. Your generosity helped us reach more people than we've reached in a long time. You helped us launch two new church campuses. This year, we went multi-site. Victory Man for Victory Downtown. This year, God did so much through you. Don't let the devil talk you out of what God did through you this year. Don't let the devil discourage you as if nothing good happened this year. This was not an ordinary year. This was an extraordinary year. This was extraordinary. What if this was the last service before you went to heaven? What if this was your last day before you met Jesus? Would you be happy with the way you've given thanks to God? What if we just took 10 more seconds right here to just give thanks for what God has done for us, through us. Thank you, Jesus! Jesus, Jesus, Jesus! It's from you, it's through you, it's to you. Be the glory, not to us, but to your name. Be the glory, Yahweh, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Nisi. My banner of victory, my hope is in you. God, we thank you, Jesus. 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 I guess because I'm a worshiper, it just flows in my veins. I just get excited to worship. Before I was a preacher, I was a worship leader, and so I just, I, I, I feel like there's a breakthrough that happens when we switch from this to this. You don't even realize you do more good for yourself by releasing thankfulness to God than you do sitting back as if God hasn't done something for you. And I know it's tough. I, I, listen, I'm not trying to downplay what you've walked through this year. But again, like, if we would just first go to those things that he has done, I think he would do even more in you and through you than what, than what you're waiting for, what you're imagining. Because of your generosity, you gave $3,630,000 away to local and global missions. That's church planting, that's orphanages, that's sex trafficking rescue homes in Southeast Asia, that's the Tulsa Dream Center, that's the hurricane relief this year. You helped people in Houston, Texas, in Miami, Florida, in Puerto Rico. You helped people in Northern California with the wildfires. You helped people in Mexico when the earthquake hit. Every single crisis and tragedy that happened this year, victory was on the front lines, helping people, blessing people, rescuing people. That was you. God moved through you. He moved through you this year. One day you're gonna get to heaven and you'll meet the people that you helped. And God will say, because you gave, you gave. But God, I didn't give that much. But yeah, the widow's might reached all these people. That one little bit you gave out of the pain of what you needed, what you were lacking, you still gave to God and God used it to save a family. I got an email this last week. I, the other thing on there is 3.5 million TV viewers all over the world that are watching Victory, that are receiving encouragement and hope, getting saved. I got an email from a family in, in, in California and in Texas. The one in California said, my marriage was on the rocks. We were, we were headed towards divorce. We stumbled across victory on late night TV. 
And when we did, it so interrupted our decision of divorce and impact. We prayed after that show. God started working in our marriage. It is healed, it's restored. I got an email from this family in Texas, a mom who lost her husband and, and the father of their three children and her two older kids have moved out, but she still has a 16-year-old. And she said, uh, at the early part of this year, their hu her husband passed away, the dad of their three kids. She said, my 16-year-old was so excited. He was such an energetic guy, and loved everybody, had so many friends. But when his father died, he became a hermit, just stuck to himself, pushed away everybody, stayed in his room. She said, literally for, for eight months, I just couldn't get through to him. He just had shut everyone off. He was depressed. He was discouraged. He, he hated that he had lost his father. And she said, I was hurting because I needed my husband to help him and I didn't have him anymore. So there was just depression. It was like our house was being, uh, it was like a dark cloud was on our house. She said, I was flipping through the channels at 2 a.m. and I came across victory. And she said, the very first part of your message, you talked about how you lost your dad. And, and she said, I just want you to know every time you share that story, it always encourages me. So don't stop sharing it. And uh, because your testimony, even though it might be repetitive to you, it's always new to somebody else in the room that needs to hear it. And, and she said, she said, immediately I was captivated. And I tried to get my son to come watch it, but he, he didn't come at first. But she said, in these last few months, he's been watching with me. She said, God has been healing his heart. He's starting to open up now. He's starting to get his joy back. God's been healing his heart from losing his father. She said, the dark cloud has been lifting off of our house. Now we're starting to make the victory confession with you guys every week that we're here on purpose because we have a purpose. God's not finished with us. Our best days are in front of us. I'm telling you, your generosity is changing lives around the world. As we close this out, I want you to focus on one last category, tallying up the score. What did God do in you? What did God do in you? This is the most important thing that happened this year. You say, but Paul, I thought it was the blessings that were the most important, what God did for me. Those were good. You didn't do anything to earn those. That was just God's grace and favor on your life. But Paul, I thought it was what God did through me. People that I helped, I mentored, I encouraged some people, I gave financially. That was awesome too. That was a three-point play right there. God used you to move forward his kingdom. God used you to help some people. But what God did in you, that's the invisible miracles. That's the tears that only you and God know about. That's the inward change that you're taking into this next year. That's the changing of your heart. Remember, the greatest change that can happen is the change inside you, not the changes on the outside. Those are good, but the change on the inside. Maybe this year, God changed your heart from being cold towards God or cold towards your husband to finally warming up again. Maybe God changed your heart from being so impatient, impulsive, always changing jobs, always changing relationships, skipping from one thing to the next thing. And finally this year, it was almost like God gave you a settled spirit to be faithful somewhere, to just be planted. This year, God was changing you on the inside. Maybe this year you walked through some storms, some battles that were so painful, some tragedies. And where you could have shook your fist at God, God was yielding your heart towards him to lean completely on him and lean not to your own understanding, but trust the Lord with all your heart. Maybe God was developing inside you perseverance when you were mistreated by some people, 
If I'm really honest, my wife and I, we walked through a painful year this year. It was a great year. It was an extraordinary year, but there were some painful things that happened. We had a miscarriage earlier this year, right around April, and and it was painful because there were so many other things that were happening all around it. There was some hurt, some betrayal, some, some things that happened that just compounded the pain. Have you ever felt like things were compounding the pain? What shouldn't have hurt as bad hurt worse because there were other things that surrounded it. And it just was, it was, it was such a tough time. But what God was doing in us, I'm convinced that if you're going to make it in life, if you're going to make it in ministry, you got to have thick skin and a soft heart. You got to have some thick skin and a soft heart. Guard your heart. Have thick skin, but don't have a hard heart. For out of your heart flows all the issues of life. And I felt like this year, at, at times, my heart was starting to, to feel kind of cold because of the pain of some of the relationships, friendships that, that had happened. And I was preaching a series in our church called the David series. How many of y'all were here for the David series? There was a message that God was birthing in my heart during that series called Cheers, Spears, and a Lot of Tears. And I was preaching to myself. And I responded to my own altar call. And man, I was down here just crying, just trying to pull the spear out of my back from some things that had hurt me, where I just was upset. And God was saying, let it go. Forgive them. Forgive them. Forgive them. But God, it hurts. God, it's not fair. Paul, what I'm doing in you is more important than what's happening to you. What I'm doing in you is more important than what's happening to you. Little did I know that God was getting ready to do some new things. God was removing some things so that he could bring some new things in. Maybe this year. Yeah, come on, give God praise. Your pain has a purpose. Your test has a testimony, Anderson. OC, Daniel, Josh. Every season you walk through that's difficult, the lonely nights when you're waiting on what God has promised you, you're waiting on a relationship, waiting on something to turn, something to happen, a dream to come to pass. What God is doing in you during that season is way more important than what's happening to you. And that's a four-point play. I mean, when you yield to God and say, okay, God, take out the spear. I didn't know this, but in the middle of the year this year, back in, in, in Ju- July, July, I jumped into a body of water. I was swimming with my family, and it wasn't a pool, but when I jumped in, I hit, the bottom of my foot hit something. The toe right next to my pinky toe, it hit something that hurt so bad. And literally within the next week or two, I was headed to the Grand Canyon and I had been planning this trip for a long time and I'd been waiting for it, saving up for it, excited for it. You can only reserve a certain you know, moment to be down in the middle of the canyon. I had been waiting for it, but I was hurting. I was thinking, how am I gonna hike down there with this, this pain in, on the bottom of my foot? So I, I layered up, I put extra socks, put a shoe on with a good thick sole and the first few miles were tough, but as I got down into the canyon, the pain just kind of went away and I pushed through and forgot all about it. So after the trip, I didn't even think about it. Months go by, I'm doing good. And literally just in the last few weeks, my back was kind of hurting and so I, I really felt like I couldn't, you know, 
fix it myself. I needed to go to a chiropractor to get it adjusted. And so I went to get it adjusted. He's twisting my feet and he puts pressure on that one toe. And all of a sudden I go, ow! And he goes, whoa, take your sock off. I said, I don't know what you just touched, but that hurt. I didn't feel the pain until he applied the pressure on the place that I hadn't been putting pressure on. And when he put the pressure on, he said, take your sock off. You got something wedged inside your toe. I go, what? Let me see that. I hadn't really been looking at the bottom of my feet lately. But I looked down there and he was right. There was some little dark thing down there. He goes, did you step on some sort of wood or something? I said, yeah, about six months ago I did. He said, how have you been walking around? I said, I guess I just pushed through the pain and I forgot it was there until you put the pressure on it. And so he said, you need to go get that checked out and removed. So I did what any guy would do. I went home, got tweezers, scissors, and a needle. And I poked a hole in my foot and I pulled that splinter out. I got it out of there. It hurt. I poured hydrogen peroxide on it. (laughs) But all of a sudden God said to me, so many people push through the pain of what they walk through. And they carried the splinter inside their foot into the next year. They don't even realize it's there until the pressure is applied. He said, this weekend, I want you to apply some pressure on some people's wounds. Because if you don't apply the pressure, they won't even realize it's stuck, that it's wedged inside their heart. So right now, I'm just pushing some pressure on you. Did anyone face a little bit of betrayal this year in relationships? Two people? The rest of y'all just must have had incredible relationships this year. Did anybody walk through a tragedy this year? Did anybody have this year maybe just a moment where you just cried, you bawled your eyes out over some things that happened? Yeah, you don't even have to tell me, but you know what it is. If you don't remove that splinter, you carry that with you into the next year. It's only a new year if you have a new perspective, if you've allowed God to heal the wounds in your, don't carry bad blood into the next year. Leaders are bleeders. Everybody bleeds. Don't act like you don't bleed. We all bleed. And when I say bleed, I mean we all walk through tough times, trials, tests, hurts, wounds. But don't bring open wounds into a new year. Isn't it interesting that Joshua 4 says, he said, pick 12 stones. Pick 12. I don't have 12 stones with me up here. And for the sake of time, I'm not going to try to think of 12 other things. But I got 12 things to remember he did this year. January, February, March, April, May, June, July, August, September, October, November, December. That's 12 stones right there to look back and say, God showed up. In January, he told me my best days are still in front of me. In February, he said, let go of what you cannot change. Let go of the people who left you. Quit chasing people who aren't called into your future. They were part of your history, but they're not part of your destiny. In March, God was birthing something new. He said, revival starts in you. In April, he was saying, trust me through the tragedy. When you lost your child, trust me that I'm with you even in the tragedy. In April, he was saying, leaders are bleeders. Through the cheers, through the spears, through the tears, know that I'm close to the broken hearted. In June, he was saying, everybody has to make tough decisions. But once you make the decision, you got to move forward. In July, he said, when you go to rest, I go to work. In August, he said, let there be. And there was. Little did I know he was birthing our third child inside of Ashley's 
womb in the midst of chaos. He was birthing life in September. He said the God dream needs a God team. I'm removing some people out of your life to bring the right people into your life. You can't do it on your own. You need a team. In October, he was saying you gotta break free from the fear of man. God's words are more important than man's words. In November, that's 11. Come on, stack your stones. That's my 11th stone in November. When T.D. Jakes came, he said there's more inside you than you realize. There's more potential to tap into. Release the secret weapon, it's time to soar. Here's the 12th stone right here, December. God said, look at the scoreboard. Satan lost, he's losing, he will lose. You're a winner. Somebody shout, scoreboard! Scoreboard! Come on, you're finishing this year. Let's pray this together. Say, Jesus, I'm all yours. Have your way in my life. You are the great physician, my healer, my savior. Lord, heal my heart. Remove anything that's not of you. The hurt, the shame the failure, the bitterness. I receive your forgiveness. I repent of sin. And I choose to forgive those who have hurt me. And I forgive myself for where I missed it. Today, I'm moving forward. The past is an education not a destination. My best days are still in front of me. You're not finished with me, God. I have victory in this life because you live inside me. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Give God thanks today. I love you. Thank you for listening to Victory with Paul Doherty. If you're in the area, we'd love to meet you at any of our services. Saturday night at 5 p.m. and Sundays at 8.30, 9, and 11 a.m. If you can't visit us, you can watch live on the Victory app, downloadable on the App Store and Google Play. Remember, your best days are right in front of you.